Well, out of all of those uh, amazing accomplishments as I was reading and uh, getting ready for this weekend, there was one thing that stood out to me. Uh, in 1995, he received what is called the Bart Star Man of the Year Award. And it is awarded to the football player that exemplifies outstanding character, integrity, leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. And as I have watched Jackie from afar, there is something that is true. He is a consistent man of integrity that loves the Lord and walks with Him. And it is our privilege to have him here this morning. And so as we do it, friends, when we have special guests, especially dudes that wear a gold jacket and are bigger than me, we, uh, we stand up and we give them a big welcome to Friends Church. So would you welcome Jackie Slater as he comes to the stage this morning. Thank you. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I told him last night that a couple years ago we had Tim Tebow here, and after I interviewed him on the first night, my wife told me, you need to go work out. <laughs> and uh, So I worked out yesterday. Uh, still didn't do too much. But man, we're glad you're here. And you. uh, appreciate it. Here. Had a great night last night. Had a good and, time uh, last night. Yeah, it was a good night. time. And you, you dressed up this morning. You wore the gold jacket today. Well, you so. insisted. So yeah, I had to. that's right. Yeah, well, uh, I, it, it, it's encouraging to have the opportunity to wear this jacket. I know a lot of guys that have it, and uh, most of those men I have a great deal of respect for as, as football players. Yeah, well, being one of the uh, greatest football players that has ever played, that really is what that jacket stands for. Uh, we look at that this morning, and uh, I want to take our, our people on a little bit of journey. Uh, we're going to kind of go back to your beginning days a little bit, and uh, as I preached last weekend, there was a scripture Romans 8, 28, that just says, hey, we know that, that God's working all things for good. That doesn't mean that all things are good. Doesn't mean that all things go good. But he's working them all out for his glory and his honor. And uh, as you, a, a young man growing up in, in Mississippi, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about uh, your growing up days and kind of who was that influence uh, in your life as you were growing up as a kid. Okay, first of all, and I didn't tell you this last night, but Romans 8, 28 is my favorite verse. Yeah. And I, I've always um, really clung to the, the facts associated with that verse. Um, growing up in Mississippi, I was born and raised there in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm the oldest of five boys. And, um, and uh, it was a very difficult time to be living in the South. Uh, I was in the public school system uh, in 69 when they forced integration in the state of Mississippi, which was a very difficult time. And uh, I came home, as I shared with you last night, after my uh, junior year in high school, going into the summer, and my father uh, had actually moved out away from my mom and myself and my four younger brothers. And, um, you know, I, I was looking at this gentleman right here. I have no idea who, what your name is, sir. And I see you there with those beautiful boys, and I, I want to commend you. I, I, would, I would like to meet you when we leave here uh, because it just reminds me of uh, how things perhaps could have been if my dad had been a man like you, a man of God. So it was a very difficult time, and I still struggle with some of that. But I remember saying to myself that if I ever had kids, that I was going to be a different dad than what my dad was. And, uh, and I worked really, really hard at that. Uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, my wife um, to encourage me and, and speak into my life, certainly when I got to college. But as a young man growing up, my father was the guy that I most admired until I got older. And the older I got, the less I admired some of the things that he was doing. 
But there were people in my life. Uh, my mother was a sweet lady who um, did everything she could to, to encourage her sons. And, and uh, she was always there for me. And, uh, and she always led me towards uh, a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And so I had a couple of friends that were, uh, were, were that way as well. But I think the most influential people were, were my mom and, and, uh, and certainly my dad when I was really young. Yeah. When did you uh, start playing football? And then when did you know that maybe the, the next step or the nef- next level you were going to be able well, to get Well, I started playing there. football when I was 13 years old. When I was 13, I tried to avoid it because I thought that it was too physical. And um, I thought that there were some guys out there that could, <laughs> that could put it on my head pretty good. And like there me? were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my side. A little bit bigger than you. Yeah. A little bit bigger. <laughs> and so I tried, I tried not to have anything to do with it, but I was 13 years old. I was six feet tall. I weighed about 245. <laughs> and the coaches just came after me. They just were relentless. And so um, I went out, and the next thing you know, I played another year and another year and another year, and then I was having an opportunity to go to college. Yeah. and play football. I certainly wouldn't have been able to go to college had it not been for football. My parents could not have afforded it, even though it's nowhere near the prices of going to college now. They just could not have afforded it. So I, went, I, I realized when I got to college and was playing with some of the guys that I was playing with there that, you know, I was doing pretty good. Yeah. And uh, that, that was when I began to get, get a little hope that uh, I could play in the pros. I played with... Um, with two guys, I will share with you. One of them was Walter Payton. He came to my house with the coach and recruited me. Jackson State. At Jackson State University, where I went. And then the other one was a guy who just is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this summer. He and I and Walter Payton, we played together for three years at Jackson State. They were a year ahead of me. His name is Robert Brazil. And in 1975 draft, Walter Payton was the fourth player selected in the draft. Robert Brazil was the sixth player selected in the draft. And I thought, man, these guys are going to the pros. Maybe I have a shot. So the next time the pros came to the campus, they were looking at me. Yeah, yeah. Walter Payton wasn't too bad, was he? No, he no. wasn't. <laughs> he, he, he played 13 years, and when he retired, he was the NFL all-time leading rusher. Yeah. The other guy, Robert Brazil, he was a defensive rookie of the year uh, in 1975. He played 10 years, and he went to seven Pro Bowls. So he was very good defensive player. It was pretty good. Well, let's mm-hmm. talk about you You getting drafted into the pros. Um, mm-hmm. You thought you'd be uh, going into the pros, but you probably thought it was going to be maybe a little bit different as you talked about last yeah. night. Yeah, well, you everybody, when all the scouts came to the campus and they were asking about me and, and I was told that I was going to be a first-round draft choice by all of, this, all of the agents who wanted to sign me up. And um, on draft day, we didn't have the cell phones, as I was sharing with you. We had a phone down the hall. So I was in my room with the door open and listening for the phone. The draft was going on. And they got through the first round, no call. Second round, no call. So I got upset. I got, went and got my girlfriend. We went to the mall, walked around, came back a couple hours later, and everybody says, where have you been? They've been looking for you. You got drafted in the third round by the Rams. And so I was a little dis- excited, but a little disappointed because I was expected to go higher. After I got to the Rams, I got chummy with one of the scouts, and he said, I asked him, I said, why do you suppose I didn't get drafted any sooner than I did. And he said this, he said, Jackie, he said, everybody knows that African-American offensive linemen coming from African-American schools aren't being taught the technique they need to be successful here. So it's going to take some time is what we're, what we're planning on. And I, that, that didn't set too well with me. And, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but it must have had something, it must have been there in everyone's mind because at that particular time in the NFL, 
they were bringing entire HBCUs, that's historically black colleges and university, HBCU coaching staffs to NFL training camps to teach them the technique that was yeah. being used at the pro level. So that yeah. it was in someone's minds whether it was true or not. Yeah, but as you've proven, it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you end. Yeah. And you yeah. did pretty good with seven Pro Bowls, uh, mm -hmm. 20 years for, for one team. Uh, for the Los Angeles Rams, and I just want to I want to talk just a little bit about some of those players you played with, and, and as we talked about last night, you had a over that many years, you had a lot of people that you played with for the Rams. But uh, who were just a couple of your favorite players to play with, or the greatest Rams that you remember, and, and, and what made them stand out? Well, like well, like you say, I played with a lot of really really good players at all the positions, and and I played with I think I played with about nine Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, guys that played with other teams that came in to our roster and everything. And I played with uh, Merlin Olson, was an outstanding leader. Many yeah. of you might remember him from Little House on the Prairie and some other <laughs> television work. He did. Hey, I, I watched a, 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 a little video about the top five Rams uh, in Rams history, and you and Merlin Olson were voted into the top five by this particular company. So the Little House on the Prairie did and, him well and, as and well. It yeah. did. And, and for me, I'm honored to be mentioned in the same vein with Merlin Olson because I saw him as a man, as a player, the way he conducted himself with men who with a lot of big egos. You got to understand, there's a lot of big egos walking around in NFL locker rooms. Yeah. And, and to have a guy to, to consistently be the voice in there that everybody quiets down and listens to, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's quite a feat to watch. Yeah. So I had a lot of respect for him. I had a lot of respect for Jack Youngblood, who I played with for a long time. Um, he busted up, you know, you hear about him playing with the broken leg. Yeah. Well, I saw the x-rays, and, I, and I, I looked at that, and I said, there's no way that I'm going to play football if my leg looks like that. And he did. Yeah. And so I, I have so much admiration for him. I played with Eric Dickinson. Eric Dickinson um, came in 1983 with John Robinson. Uh, he set the single se he set the rookie rushing record in 83. Then the next year, he set the single-season rushing record, which was held by O.J. Simpson for a long time. Yeah. And those two records are still in place since 83 yeah. and 84. So and you were a part of that. Yeah, speak to yes, yeah. I was. Yeah. And I, yeah. I never let him forget it. <laughs> <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I'm still waiting on a pair of boots, he promised me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I played with some really, really special players and, and had a great time. Yeah. Tell us about maybe your greatest victory over those 20 years. What's one that stands well, out? Well, a lot of, lot of big wins, you know, a lot of big wins. But I think the one that, that jumps out at me more than any other one is uh, we had to go down to Tampa in 1979, my first year actually starting, and we had to beat a really good uh, Tampa Bay football team that was led by Leroy Selman and his brother Dewey and Doug Williams, the quarterback. They have a very good football team. And no one scored a touchdown, but we beat them 9-0 yeah. to advance to Super Bowl 14. And I thought yeah. that, okay, this was the, the biggest game that I'll ever play in. And, yeah. and I played well in the game, so that game jumps out at me. Yeah. Uh, I know this might be a little controversial, but what, what's your favorite team to beat? Oh, that's not controversial. I hate, <laughs> I hate the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> Always have. <laughs> <laughs> always have, always will. <laughs> you know, I had a couple of embarrassing moments uh, to come up in my career uh, against the 49ers. Uh, uh, one of them was my rookie year, um, and I was quite enthusiastic on the sidelines. I was so happy to be in the pros. I wasn't playing. And I was up and down the sidelines cheering for our teammates. If we had the ball down there, I'd be at the farthest extremes on the sideline cheering. If we had it down there, I'd be down there. And... Um, 
we, it was an embarrassing evening for our offensive line because we gave up 10 sacks on national TV with Howard Cosell doing the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember cheering for Big John Williams, God rest his soul, he was the right tackle that I was primarily playing behind. And I remember cheering for him, cheering, calling his name. And, and then I, I began to count the number of sacks that Tommy Hart was getting as he ran past him. <laughs> and after I had counted three sacks, I'm thinking, hmm, this is, this is not pretty. Big John, come on, Big John. <laughs> so about two sacks later, it dawned on me now, Big John is giving up five sacks here. And I'm the backup. At the rate this is going, somebody might have that notion to put me in the ball game. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing to even admit that. Yeah. But those are the facts. And fortunately, when the coach snatched his headset off after John gave up the six sack, yeah. and he looked around and he looked right in my face, he could see that I don't want to go in there. So he didn't, <laughs> so he didn't send me in. It's kind of embarrassing to admit that, but those are the facts. That's right. Those are the facts. And you're a Hall of Famer now. It don't matter. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. That's right. Well, uh, you had lots of coaches that have influenced you over the years, but in the Rams, uh, what was the coach that probably influenced you the most that stands out? Well, I had five head coaches, and uh, counting Chuck Knox twice. God bless his soul. He just passed away about a month and a half ago. Um, the guy who... I most admired and I most respected was John Robinson. Many of you might remember him. He coached at USC, and he came over, brought Eric Dickinson with him, and all of a sudden the Rams are different. We're a power-running football team. I get to beat people up at the line of scrimmage, and I mean, I'm, I'm just in hog heaven. The thing that I liked about, the thing that I really liked about John Robinson, as opposed to all the other coaches, is John Robinson, he would not be upset with Eric Dickinson or Jim Everett or Ferragamo and yell at the offensive line. Everybody else did that. They, they would not yell at these prima donna, these touchy egos. They would not yell at them at all, but they would scream at us when this guy is the one that's messing up. I'm thinking to myself, now, I just hit this guy, knocked him over there. The hole is right there, as we said. He ran the wrong way, and you're yelling at me? That doesn't, that doesn't compute. Well, John Robinson was never that type of guy, and when, we got, when I got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he was the first name that came to my mind that I felt... I had to ask to present me, be my presenter. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, as you've looked at your career, I want to talk a little bit about your family and, and your faith. Uh, you are a father uh, of two, and mm -hmm. one of the reasons we brought you in on Father's Day is because of, of who you've been and the consistency, and really your faith. I heard you speak at a prayer breakfast, and, and just the way you shared your faith and your love of Christ uh, has been really uh, instrumental uh, for lots of people, but especially for your two boys, David and your boy Matthew. David just graduated from Concordia, yes. is that right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Matthew is a football player as well. I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us about uh, your wife and how long you've been married and just a little bit about your family. Okay, well, um, <clears throat> when I was a sophomore in, in college, um, uh, the young lady that I was dating, by the way, I didn't tell you this, I was, I was skipping class one day. I should be ashamed to admit it. <laughs> but I was skipping class one day, and a girl that was in this class with me was walking towards me with a friend of hers that I had never seen before. And I looked, I have never seen her before. So I turned around and walked towards the class that I was ditching with them, and I tried to get her phone number and whatnot. And she said, uh, she said I dislike you for various reasons, which I do not <laughs> care to discuss at this time. <laughs> but I remember, I remember thinking to myself, Man, that's, that's quite a gal right there. <laughs> I like well, that. anyway, uh, before long, I was 
you know, dating her and sitting there and keeping company with her and, and living my life away from her totally different than what I was presenting to her when I came. And she could see right through it, and she said to me, she said, you think God is pleased with the way you're living your life? <laughs> and uh, most of the time it just went through here and came out there because I was just happy to be sitting there, you know, talking to her. But she said that one other time, and it went here, went there. And for two weeks I carried that thought around that, uh, you know, God can't be pleased with the way I'm living my life, not, not with, with, the, with the things that I'm doing and all. And so I went down the aisles of the church that I was attending on a regular basis because I used to go to the church in my neighborhood because remember Jackson State was only a five-minute walk from, from where I grew up. And I remember going down the aisles of that church, and I, I, I told God, I said, Lord, if you who you are, who they say you are, who my mom said you are, other people have told me you are, then give me a sign here that I'm doing the right thing, going to go down the aisles of this church. I expected the little old lady over there who always get happy and shout and faint when the preacher get going. I expected that to happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> I expected one of those dingy bulbs up there on that candelabra that looked like it had no business up there to pop. You know, any signal that says, hey, God is here, you're doing the right thing. None of that happened. Went down. I felt pretty good. I felt like I had done the right thing. And then I remember telling my buddies on, on the campus, I said, guess what happened to me? guess what happened? They said, what? I said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And immediately the one, the one guy, he cut his eyes over at the other guy and cut his eyes at the other one. And the next thing I know, you wouldn't have known. You would have thought they transferred away from the campus. I never saw him anymore. I would hear about him, but I never, ever saw him. And I took that as a sign that God, where he said to me, Jackie, if my, life, if my plans for your life are going to be complete, and you're going to do the things and, that I want you to do, you can't be hanging around with these guys anymore. Yeah. And it was just he taking him, him giving me a sign about moving along. Yeah. So Annie and I, uh, we dated for the rest of those, you know, college days. And we got married right after we graduated. We've been married 42 years yeah. this past June 6th. Thank you. By the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. And... Um, and she's, she's really been the, the, the back, spiritual backbone of, of my family. I mean, um, when I played on Sundays, she would first thing she would do is take my sons and take them to church, take them to Sunday school, and then they would get to the games late. They were always known to be coming to the games late because they went to church. Yeah. And to this day, my sons go to church. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful. I, and I just really, I really would like to encourage you fathers that uh, have uh, wives and, and women in your lives who uh, are trying to do that with your children. And sometimes, you know, we get a little gruff and we don't feel like doing all the things, following them around and doing all the church things and church activity. It pays off. So get on board. Let her be the leader. If you're not the leader in that capacity, I encourage you to be. I wasn't always, but be a leader in that way and by following sometimes. Sometimes good leaders have to follow. That's right. And it was one of the best things. It's been a joy for me to see, you know, my sons and yeah. and totally different kind of situation than I had growing up. Yeah. Well, uh, your son Matthew uh, is a football player and mm -hmm. he attended UCLA. And uh, the crazy thing, he's going to have some new fans after this weekend, uh, I believe, <laughs> because uh, he was drafted in the fifth round by the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. uh, he went to Servite High School, which is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Principal might be here of Servite, goes to our church. So, is that right? Uh, yeah, How about shout that? out for Servite. Uh, the, the really unique thing about him is he's a gunner and a special teams player. So tell us what a gunner is. Well, for those of you who 
watch the game. Whenever they punt the football, you don't convert on third down, you punt the football. There are two guys that usually line up on the very outside, near the sidelines. And those guys, uh, their jobs is to, at the snap of the ball, run down and then tackle the, the punt returner before he gets up any positive yards. And usually, if you notice it, there's going to be one guy who has two people on him, and there'll be another guy that has one on him. Sometimes they'll double both of them. But my guy, my son, is always the guy that has two people on him because since he's been there, he's been the fastest guy on the roster. Yeah. I have no idea where the speed came from. It didn't come from me. <laughs> but uh, his job is to go down and, and, and do that on, on punts, and then it's do the same thing on kickoff coverage. And he's, he's done a fantastic job of well, it. Well, tell us just a little bit about him, because it's amazing that he not only went to the pros in a minute, I'll tell what he's done, but just tell us about him growing up and your expectancy of him being a football player. Well, I, I, never, <laughs> thought, I never thought that he was going to be a football player. In fact, I would, have, I would have rivaled some of these coaches who stood up there because I coached everything he did. I coached him in, um, in baseball, I coached him in soccer, I coached him in basketball, and I discouraged him from playing football because I didn't think he was going to be a, be a, first of all, he wasn't nowhere near my size, and I always have believed that football is a big man's game and that a good big man is always better than a good little man. <laughs> so I just, never thought, I just never thought that he was going to play. Not only that, but he has asthma. He has, uh, he had a problem with one of his legs and uh, he has, um, he had a little bit of a vision issue going on. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm thinking there's no way yeah. this kid is going to, and, and it's been a humbling, a real humbling experience to me. He, when he got ready to go into high school, he said, dad, I'm, you told me when I got to high school, I could play and da 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 da. And besides that, I'm going to be a defensive back and they don't get hurt. So he had all thought it all out. And all I could do is come alongside of him, you know, get some of my teammates to help him and everything. But I, in my wildest imagination, in my wildest imagination, I never would have thought that he would have had the success he had. But I'm going to share something with you since you mentioned that the principal from Servite goes, mm -hmm. goes to school here, right? You know, one of the things that I would challenge parents with is that, you know, when you're bringing up kids, you want the very best for your kids. And so as best you can, you put them in a community that's going to support them. And I know this is a great community. I, I can tell by all the things you got going on. But one of the things, I'm not Catholic. My wife went to a Catholic school. But one of the things we decided to do was send him to this all-boys Catholic school because we thought that, you know, it would, it would, he was a good student and it would encourage him in his strengths, right? But one, in the first week of football over there, a guy named Larry Tono was the coach. And I remember showing up and watching bits of the practice. And I went up to the coach. He shook my hand. I said, Coach, listen. I said, how's he doing? He said, he's doing. I said, is he getting in and out of his breaks? And before he can answer that question, I said, is he backpedaling? How's his hands? Is he catching the ball? And he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. Slater. He said, I'm building leaders of men here. And when he said that, I just closed my mouth and sit back and thought, okay, well, he's not going to be a football player, so if he can be a leader of men, that'll be just as, <laughs> that'll be just just as good. As good. <laughs> and, and, and little did I ever, in, in my wildest imagination, I would not have thought that um, some of the principles that were taught him there and some of the things that he was exposed to as a young man growing up would have led to him being the type of leader that he is and yeah. And it's just been, it's been humbling also for me because I used to look at guys like my son and say, they can get anybody to do that. You can't get anybody to do what I do or what Jim Everett does or what Eric Dickinson does, but to cover kicks, you know, you can just throw anybody. And, and then to have arguably the best head coach in the history of the National Football League to not only draft him, but to move up and give up an extra pick to draft him 
and then to use them the way he's using them and see him being all pro all these years has yeah. been just very humbling to me. That's so to for, say the least. for you guys, he's made seven Pro Bowls seven as a Gunner Bowl. Special Teams. That's how many you made. So together, you've made 14 together. Yes. Uh, he surpassed you in one thing. He's got two Super Bowl rings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's got two Super Bowl That's rings. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, got two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. And, and, and he's been... And he, <laughs> And he won't let me forget it. He yeah. won't let me forget it. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He's won two. He's lost two. Yeah. Okay. And when he's, this past Super Bowl, before they played the Eagles, he was being interviewed and he was saying, they asked him, did your dad help you? He, your dad tell you, what did you, he said, well, and he humbly said this. <laughs> he said, well, my dad couldn't give me any advice on this because he only played in one Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but, but. Every now and then, I have to take a picture of my Hall of Fame ring and send it to <laughs> That's to keep him in line. You up him one there, yeah. Uh, and, and watching him, and the reason, because it's Father's Day, and, and, and God has blessed him. He's a, an outspoken Christian. Uh, he's mm -hmm. a follower of Jesus. Uh, you have a couple grandkids now uh, yes. that he and his wife have had. But uh, you are the, the number three most nominated family in pro football behind the Mannings, which most everybody have heard, and then the, the Matthews, Clay Matthews and, and his family. But uh, he's been the captain, one of the captains of the Patriots. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching some, some film, and, and last night I said to Jackie, I said he was, Robert Kraft, the owner of the, the Patriots, came over and shook Jackie's hand. He didn't know that this got recorded. But Robert Kraft said this to you about your son. He said, I have never had a more classy guy in 23 years of owning the New England Patriots. And then he said to you, there isn't a guy in the locker room who doesn't look up to your son. And he just thanked you for your son. And so I just wanted to ask you, as a dad, I know how that would make me feel. How does that make you feel, um, just raising him and raising Man. both of them to be men like you? What can I say? Yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a dad... I don't think there's a dad in the audience who has a kid that wouldn't just be very thankful. Yeah. It's just, it's humbling. Yeah. It really is. Well, it's, uh, if you know football, and you told us last night, he didn't start a game really at UCLA. No. Uh, no, he, he, hadn't, he, he hadn't started, he didn't start a game, not one single game when he was at UCLA. <laughs> and he, um, he um, begged them to let him return kicks his senior year. And they let him return kicks, and he made All-American and set UCLA's record. Yeah. And then he got drafted by the Patriots. But one of the things that he did when he was at UCLA, I would call him, check on him, and he said, Dad, I can't talk right now. I, gotta, I can't remember the kid's name, but he would say, I got to get him. He's got to go over to, the, uh, over to the health center because he's having problems breathing. And then I talked to him a couple of weeks later. I said, who is this that you're talking about? And he had a teammate that came down with a grave illness. And my son was taking this kid around everywhere he needed to go. And I'm thinking to myself, I sent you there to get an education. I'd be taking people all around. And it was humbling for me to find out that his heart was in a place where he saw somebody around him that needed help, and he did it. He helped him. And so it was just, you know, he, he, it was like everything that's happened to this kid has been God-ordained. Yeah. God has put him right where he is to do the things that he's doing. Yeah. And he's using him in that capacity. Yeah. And his, his, his energy for what he's doing has not ceased, has not waned off at all. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I just couldn't be more, more thankful yeah. as a parent. I just, I just can't say enough about what God has well, I'm going gonna, gonna to show a little clip uh, of his son, Matthew, because uh, after every game and every victory, uh, Bill Belichick is the first guy that speaks in the locker room, and then Matthew Slater is the second guy that speaks, and he is a vocal leader, and he is one that rallies the troops and encourages them and gets them fired up. So this is a really, really short clip, but it just kind of gives you an understanding of who Matthew is and what he does for that team uh, as a leader. So take a look at the screen. I need an amen. How do we feel about a first Sunday victory? How we feel about going nine and oh? How do we feel though about our fourth consecutive appearance in the AFC Championship game? <laughs> oh man, it's awesome. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that guy. That guy has won a whole lot of football games. I don't think he's. I don't think he's been on one team there. He hasn't won ten games in yeah. the last ten years. Yeah, he's won at least ten games ten years every year he's been there. Yeah, we're tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are a lot of Patriots. You know, I, I have to. I have to pull for the Patriots. I hated them too. I hated them too before they drafted him. Yeah, I hated the Patriots. Oh. Uh, well, I'm going to close with just a couple things. For all the dads that are out there um, who are in the midst of raising their kids right now, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give them? I know you told them about going to church and following moms. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is just um, encouraging your kids, being an encourager to them, and then, and then praying, and then praying. You know, I, um, I woke up this morning. I got to tell you, I don't know if I was anxious about today or what, but I woke up this morning at like 4 o'clock. And I couldn't go back to sleep. And, and I, as I lay there, I, I prayed for my son. I prayed for today. I prayed uh, for situations in my life that aren't so smooth here and there. And, and, and I kept saying, after I, I, I was busying myself with the different things that I was praying about. And then I consistently, and I think I dozed back off, I consistently, and I dozed off to surely goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life. And I think we need to claim that. And I think, you know, as parents and as a dad in particular, you know, it comes a time when, like Matthew, he's moved away from home. Uh, he's gotten married. He met a girl back there, a sweet girl back there. I didn't know her at the time. was a little uncomfortable with it all because I'd seen so much with different guys, you know, and playing sports and, and getting married and all that. And so it's like you're helpless. You can't go and say, okay, Matthew, listen, let's, you know, when he's listening to every word you say, you can't do that. And the only thing you can do is trust God and pray. And so I would challenge any of you, parents, moms, dad, and dads in particular, because there's a certain separation that happens with dads and their sons as they grow older that I, it's, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to because he and I were like that. And uh, I would just, you know, if the God that I believe in, if the God that I'm trusting to save my soul um, from eternal damnation, d eternal damnation, if he is who he says he is, then he has the power to impact the people that I pray for. That's what he says. He encourages me to pray without ceasing. And that means for me is that when I think about him and I think of situations, I say, Lord, please help, help the situation come out right. And so I would just challenge you, you know, pray for your kids um, and don't stop, you know, because 
there come to come a time, and many of you here have been fathers longer than me, and your sons are probably older than me. <laughs> I hope not too many. <laughs> but uh, you know that you, there comes that point in time. You don't stop loving them. You don't, you don't stop loving the kids. Girls are daughters. G girls are sons. You don't stop loving them, but you lose influence. And if you really want to impact their lives, my hope is that I still get to impact their lives by talking to the creator yeah. of my son, the yeah. creator of me. Yeah. The one that I'm putting all my faith in. So that would be the thing that I would encourage you to do because in many cases, that's all we can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's one thing about, about you that I just uh, appreciate and, and I saw it when I saw you speak is your relationship with Christ is ongoing and it is real. And uh, it's not just something you say you are. You, you live that out. And if there was one thing uh, that you wanted to leave us with today, uh, what would that one thing be, Jackie? Well, <clears throat> I, I think... For me, and, and, I, and I, I'm, I just turned 64 years old on uh, the 27th of May. You will never know it because I do a great job of dyeing my hair. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, think that, I think one of the biggest things that we have to do is we have to, and I, have to, I, I, tie, this, I, start, I tie this spiritual principle to the actual work that I did as, as an NFL player. There's not a person in this room that's perfect. There's not a person in this room, I don't care what your state, what your job is, how high and mighty you think you are, there's not a person in this room that's not going to fail at some point in time. You're going to make mistakes, okay? You're going to make mistakes. And don't expect to be perfect. And sometimes you're going to discuss yourself with your mistakes. But the God that we serve, the God that we came out to honor today, is the God of second chances. And so what you got to do is you got to get up. You got to get up. And, you know, I relate that to my, my uh, profession for 20 years. If I'm trying to block Tutal Jones or Reggie White or Mark Gastineau or any number of those animals, <laughs> if I'm trying to block these guys, I'm not going to knock them down every time. In fact, I got knocked down quite a few times. Now, if I hadn't got up, they were going to put somebody else in the game to deal with them. So I had to learn to get up. And so when I fail personally in life and I make mistakes, then I get up. And so if we can do that as dads and encourage our kids to do that, I think it would be, it would be a, a very good lesson learned and passed on yeah. to the next generation. Yeah. Well, uh, last night you said something uh, that kind of struck me. And I'd love for you just to wrap up with that. And then I'm going to ask you um, to pray over these people. But last night you just said uh, your whole football career and everything God's given you uh, might be just for, for one person. Tell you know, us you what you, you meant by that. You never, think about, yeah. you never think about that. And I'm sure, you know, when I share this with you, you guys, you're probably going to say, well, this guy's nuts. <laughs> but I mean, I want you to just consider this, just what I'm going to say just for one moment. And I really believe this from the bottom of my heart. It is very conceivable that I went to Jackson State University and played with Walter Payton for three years and played pro, played pro football for 20 years, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It could very easily be that the only reason why any of that happened in my life was so that I could be here today, right now, to speak to one person in this audience who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
it, God loves you that much that he would allow me to go through what I've gone through for the last 64 years to be sitting here right now at this point in time to tell you that you need a savior and that his name is Jesus and that he loves you and that he's got a plan for you just like he does for me, just like he does for my son. I'm on an adventure right now. I don't know what's, I don't know what's gonna happen the rest of my life, but I know one thing. I know that I'm in God's hands. I'm trusting that I'm in his hands. I'm believing what he says. And the verse that he said, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Me being here today is me saying, I'm not going to go to church today with my wife and sons at a church that we go to in Santa Ana on a, every Sunday. I'm going to come here because the pastor here has reached out to me about coming and speaking to the men and sharing my story with the people at this church. And to me, I'm bringing glory and honor to Jesus' name right now by being here, by telling you how important he has been in my life, how helpful he has been to me, how he has loved me in spite of myself at times, because the good Lord knows I have failed uh, more times than I care to mention. So for those of you who, who are here, who are hearing what I'm saying, you know, let all of the, the football stuff and all of that stuff, just let it go for a second. And think about where you are relative to eternity. We see it every day. I mean, I'm 64 years old. I can remember when I was 22. Okay, I see guys that tell me, hey, man, I'm 65 now. And I'm thinking, oh, I can remember when you were eight, 18. You know, time is flying. The, 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 the life is moving on. It's not going to stop until the Lord comes back. But in the meantime, what's your plan? Where do you plan to spend eternity? You know you, haven't, you have the opportunity to make a decision about that. Now is the time to make that decision. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Because you never know what happens when you stand up out of that seat, when you walk out of that door, or like what happened in my church one Sunday morning, a guy sitting back there collapsed and, and fell over, had to be rushed to the hospital, and I think he died shortly after that. You never, you never know when the good Lord is going to call you. And, and the mere fact that you're here today and an older guy like me and perhaps haven't made a decision, it could be God's mercy that he hadn't taken you uh, before now. So my challenge is to, and the reason why I'm here is, is not to talk about all the football stuff and my son, but I came for the one person, the one young lady, the one man that's in this audience who's taking care of yourself, who's the master of your own faith, I'm telling you that I have come to realize that we need a savior. I've come to realize that as physically dominant as I was as a football player, that intangible aspect of who I think I am that can't be measured, that can't be contained, I think it's going to go someplace. And I believe the Bible gives us some real clear uh, places where that thinking, reasoning, rationalizing part of our being is going to go. And right now, today, we have an opportunity to impact that. So I want to challenge you guys uh, from the bottom of my heart. The only reason why I'm here is for whoever you are, that one person, to get to know the person of Christ, to accept what he has done for you. And he would have done it for you if you were the only person sitting in this auditorium right now. 
That's how much God loves you. And I'm just happy to be a part of having the opportunity to come and share that with you. Well, we uh, are going to take an opportunity because uh, as you came, that's why you're here. And we thank you for that. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand in this room if you would. And I'm going to ask Jackie if he would lead us in a prayer. And uh, if today is your day of salvation and you look around this room, Jackie, and you see all these people, uh, if someone makes a decision for Jesus Christ, uh, we are blessed and we're honored that they would be a part of this family. And I would love for you to lead them in a prayer. Thank and you. then I would, when he's done praying, I'm going to pray over Jackie. And just pray for him and the things that are ahead of him. Uh, at 64, he's doing five or six different things. And he's got opportunities coming up. And he's not done. And God's still got great things for him. And so after you're done praying, Jackie, I'm going to pray over you. But okay. would you pray for anyone here today who wants to make a commitment to Jesus Christ? Thank you very yeah, much. You Let's bow our heads. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we honor fathers. We thank you for the fathers that are represented here, that are here and represented here with the beautiful children. Lord, we, 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 we realize that we are not perfect. And Lord, we realize, looking at the flow of life, that at some point in time, our existence is, is going gonna, gonna to not be there. We're going to leave. Our bodies are deteriorating. Daily. Lord, you said that you came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And Lord, I believe that, that you allow me to be here to share perhaps with one person or two people who don't have a relationship with your son. If that's you and you feel that way, I want you to just repeat these simple words that I'm about to pray. And if they express the desire of your heart, repeat them and you will become a member of the royal family of God, chosen. Lord Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner. I am destined for an eternity that I will not enjoy. But Lord, you said that you sent your son Jesus and that if I accept him, I could be saved. Lord, I want to accept Jesus Christ. I want to accept the fact that he came and he died on the cross for my sins, to forgive me of my sins, and to make me the man or the woman that you want me to be for now and eternity. Come into my life, Lord. Show me that you love me. Show me that you're real. Make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for every decision that was made today. We thank you for, by faith, uh, they stepped forward. And I thank you that... Uh, God, you put some people in, in Jackie's life, his mom and now his wife, uh, that helped him take a next step. Thank you for who he is. Thank you for the man you created him to be. Thank you for uh, the platform you've given him in this season of life. And God, I thank you that he's using it for you. Would you uh, just be with him in decisions that need to be made? Would you continue to guide and direct his steps? Would you uh, protect him, God, from the, the enemy as, as, as he's a target? He's a pretty big one, too. And I just pray, God, 
that you would just use him in unbelievable ways. I thank you for his spirit. I thank you, God, that you've given him a, just a, a humble spirit about who he is. And all those accomplishments are great, but the greatest thing that we've seen is that he loves you. And so I pray over David and Matthew and Annie and his extended family. And we thank you today that he came to inspire and challenge. And God, just give us a great Father's Day weekend here at Friends. We pray your blessing on us as we go today. And every father that is here, may they have just a great day with their families. And may they be honored, God, as we have done our best to honor you here in this place. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray all these things. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Would you thank Jackie Slater for being here this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.